Summer Report, everybody. Love Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about stock market investing. Um, we have a lot to pack in today. We've been on the road escaping hurricanes. Dorian, which luckily had no impact on Jupiter, Florida, where I'm broadcasting from. Um, so luck has it there. What we're going to talk about today uh, are three topics. One, we're going to talk about the stock market and its direction. I'm going to share with you what our proprietary algorithms are telling us today about managing risk and how much risk to have on in our equity portfolios. We're going to then move on to our favorite topic, which is the cannabis space, our favorite investment theme over the next three to five to ten years. Those of you who have been following me know we've been risk off since late May. Um, so there's things to discuss there. There's some developments that may be changing that picture. And then we're going to wrap it up with a discussion of gold, silver, and the precious metal stocks. It's very important you understand what precious metals are telling us about the market, the global economy, and everything that's going on uh, in the world today. I'm going to share with you the number one reason why gold and silver are going up and why we think it's sustainable. I'm going to try to boil down that entire discussion into one reason. Not easy to do, but I'm going to do it for you. Now, look, this is a live trading desk. Okay, I'm surrounded by computers. All the information I'm sharing with you, I use every day to manage my own assets and to manage assets for investors I work with through our interactive brokers affiliation. So excuse me if I have to go, if I have to put you on hold, if I have to pick up a phone call, if I get distracted. This is a real desk here. In fact, at the moment, we have an intraday algorithm that we're trading. It's live right now. So I'm in the midst of trades as we speak. All right. Let's, um, let's unpack as fast as we can. I've got a lot of charts to share with you today. I want to take them one step at a time. I'm going to pop them up on the screen so you can see. All right. So step one. You guys know that I usually have in the top part of um, this screen a uh, picture of a bear paw or a bull or nothing. I've had nothing for a while. I have to put up that. Okay, there you go. The algorithms are definitely telling us that we should have some more risk on. Now, I'm going to get to where we're putting that risk on in a minute. But we're going to have to put that up on the day. Okay, that's definitely an issue um, that we have to admit that the market's going higher. If you follow our website, you go to rosenthalcapital.com. If you check that every day, you'll see when we make updates. And you can see a running log of the date and the type of update we've made. So going back to last week, we told you the algorithms were more risk on. Now, whatever that means to you, I can't tell you how to run your portfolio, but what you can do with that information is say, okay, here's my portfolio. Here's my whiteboard of my favorite ideas. Maybe it's time to put some of those ideas in the portfolio. When we're risk off, you look at your portfolio and you say, okay, which one of these stocks is not performing well? How much cash do I want to hold? Now's the time to hold that cash and get rid of my losers. So that's the best and simplest way for you to use this information I'm trying to reveal to you. All right. Um, this chart right here is very important. Let's take a look. All right, for a minute now, I'm going to turn this bull off so we can just focus, okay? I want you to see this. So we do have risk on across the board in all of our um, 
algorithms with the exception of the Dow Jones. So that means um, uh, five of our six indexes are telling us to get long the market, our algorithms of the indexes. And we have these algorithms designed, don't forget, to either trade or monitor the ETFs, the exchange-traded funds of um, our favorite six indexes that we think drive risk. That's the S&P, SPY, that's the Dow, the DIA, the QQQ, NASDAQ 100, small cap index, IWM, um, the IBD 50, FFTY, and the momentum index, MTUM. So during this period, I'm going to show you in a minute a chart. Um, we've yet to have all six tell us it's, it's, it's risk on across the board. We haven't seen that. There's always one index that's telling us there's something wrong, and today it's the Dow. Last week it was the triple Qs. Okay? So, but look at this chart here. This is very important. And I tweeted this out. You can follow me on Twitter. You would have seen this tweet, I think, yesterday. Um, I retweeted somebody else's depiction here. This is very smart. So go back and look at that tweet. But here's the chart. The market runs up into the Fed meeting. The Fed makes an announcement. The market gets its head handed to it. And the market bottoms, runs up again to the Fed meeting. Fed makes the announcement. Market craters. Now, here we are again in the process of running up into the Fed meeting. Expectations are high. Fed's going to cut rates, add more liquidity. Markets should go up. That's where we're at right now. But it's become a lot more ragged in the last couple of weeks. We're not getting that pure buy signal. Look at the last time we had that run, that buy signal in June, right? We had all six indexes telling us across the board, it's time to put money to work. Okay, you remember that? I said to you, June 6th, all six indexes, risk on into the next Fed meeting. Market was up huge over two months. This time around, wild volatility, lots of gap downs, and then, of course, recoveries because the market's looking for the Fed to do something to, to save it. Um, so not a great market environment. The algorithms don't guess and don't care about what's going on in the world today. That's what I love about it. These are probability and statistical algorithms. These are not news-crawling algorithms. All I'm trying to do is help us know when our reward is worth the risk we're taking. And when the probabilities are at their highest, that the market will go higher. It's not a guarantee the market's going to skyrocket. It just means the market's going to go higher for X period of time, and we have to manage our risk over that X. Okay? Just because we have an algorithm that says it's risk on doesn't mean we stop thinking. We have to determine how much risk to take and where to put that risk, all right? So step one of today's live stream. Yes, it's risk on. Unfortunately, we can't get the confluence that I'm looking for for an exciting call where I send out an email to all of my Armour Report uh, Algo Alert subscribers, and I say, now's the time to pile in. I don't have that call. The market could still go higher. But what I'm saying without that confluence is that we still have too much risk and a question mark over the reward from here. And that makes the equation cloudy. Okay? So where are we going with our risk in our own portfolios? Let's take a look. First of all, here's the S&P. Take a peek at this. 
Okay, I just want you to see this. This is interesting. Over a 20-month period, if I was doing this show last week, then I would have said to you the market is down over the last 20 months. This is a chart of the S&P 500. SPY is the symbol. Look at the volatility over the last 20 months. It's insanity. So you're going to hear on CNBC we're near all-time highs, but you would have heard on CNBC if they bothered to tell you the truth that about a week and a half ago, we were down for the last 20 months. Your 401k plan was down for the last 20 months. So major volatility and no real direction, making it very difficult to make money sustainably. So don't forget that. When the market makes new highs on the Fed announcement, don't get too carried away. We've been getting a lot of those swings. And so I put out a tweet yesterday that said the worst thing you can do in this market in the last 20 months is to buy gap ups or to sell gap downs. You need to look to buy the gap downs, and then as the market gaps up and runs, God forbid you buy stocks. Right, And maybe you sell some out into the strength and you hold your core. It depends on the type of investor, type of investor you are. We're all different. So I can't, I can't tell you how to run your portfolio. I don't know you. We're all going to be different there. Some are swing traders. Some are day traders. Some are buy and holders. So you got to kind of take the information I'm providing and then plug it into the approach that you feel most comfortable with. If, you, if you're not investing in an approach that you're comfortable with, chances are you're not going to make money. All right, let's move on. So where are we adding risk? I'm going to share with you three charts. I want you to tell me, if you can, what's the similarities between these charts? Okay, there's one, OHI, Omega Healthcare Investors. It's a real estate investment trust. That's a little um, hint for you. Look at that right side of that chart. So the markets, look at here. The markets are selling off in the month of August, and look what's happening. Uh, oops, look what's happening to OHI. Markets going down in the month of August. OHI is blowing out to new highs. That's a REIT. Okay, let's take a look at this chart. There's Kellogg's. It's consumer packaged goods. Look what it did in the month of August. Markets selling off. Kellogg's gaps up and is in the midst of making a new little high here. Are you picking up the theme yet? Do you guys know what it is? Someone want to tweet me out? Someone want to put a little comment there? Tell me what is similar about these stocks. I'm going to round it out with right here. That's AT&T. Look at that stock. Okay. Our algorithms have us in this stock near the lows of the year at close to a 6% yield. And now our principal's screaming higher. And this stock blows out to new highs as the market goes down in the month of August. Okay, so what's similar? I'm sure somebody out there knows the answer. I'll share it with you now. They all pay fat dividends. So in a world where we have over $15 trillion of negative interest rates, where we have prominent banks in Denmark literally giving people money to buy houses and accepting less in return at the end 
of the mortgage. In other words, here's a million dollars to buy a house. At the end of 30 years, only pay us $990,000. Right? In that world, in the volatility we're looking at in the S&P, money is gravitating to blue chip dividend payers with a growth story. Okay? Kellogg's is in the process of divesting of low margin businesses, focusing on their core, focusing on growth, pays 4.5% yield. AT&T, we all know what's going on there. 5G rollout. They you know, took on $300 billion of debt. That debt's beautiful. They're going to refinance it at much lower levels. That dividend's secure. Okay, and then, of course, the REITs. I just picked Omega Health. There's other REITs that we own in our portfolio. Omega Health is 7-plus percent yield. Stock's blowing out to new highs. And I would submit to you that I don't even like necessarily the fundamentals of the business. If you listen to the last couple conference calls, they're dealing with some real struggles when it comes to the hospitals that they're working with. So um, I'm kind of shocked the stock is up that much, to be quite frank with you. And I expect the company to do a secondary offering soon, probably knocks the stock down. So I'm not telling you to go buy these stocks. What I'm sharing with you and where we're going with our risk capital is into the lower risk sector of dividend payers. So just because our algorithms tell us, yeah, risk on, looks like we should put some capital to work. If we're not comfortable with the environment, which we're definitely not, we have 20 months of wild volatility. But we do know a major theme in the world. That theme is 15 plus trillion of negative interest rates. So it's like a no-brainer that money's flowing into blue chip dividend payers with a growth story, okay? And I could have posted more charts, right? Look at IBM, um, you know, Verizon. I mean, there's, you got to do your own homework there. Go do some homework, build your whiteboard list of dividend payers. I'm looking for anything better than a 4.5% yield, okay? Um, every now and then, I'm going to share another chart with you here. Every now and then, there's a stock that just marvels and outperforms. It's a growth stock. It's not even paying a dividend, and it just looks awesome. I've highlighted it here on this show repeatedly over the last couple of months, and there it is. Those of you who follow me will remember this chart pattern. I said we have a cup and handle with an island reversal. It is one of the most rare charts you will ever find. It's incredibly bullish. This chart is Twitter. What I find amazing about that is this is a growth stock. No dividend. The market plummets in, uh, in, in, in August, and this stock is making all-time, well, not all-time, but challenging its highs, right? And in an uptrend as the market was going down. So that's the very essence of leadership. So I just wanted to, to, to highlight this chart again. I want to keep going back to it. Because, you know, traditional technical analysis is a bit of an art form. Um, it takes a long time to learn it. it. It can be frustrating. It's not a guarantee that anything goes up. But there are some charts I'm going to highlight for you on the Armour Report that you cannot ignore. And when you get an island reversal of that magnitude, what does it mean? The gap down, this disappointing the street, a bunch of trades go on. And then a gap up, surprising the street, capturing all those people. You've just captured short sellers, and you've captured a lot of guys who wanted to be long, who got out, who now have to get back in. 
that island is explosive. The bigger the island, the bigger the move higher. Now you combine that with a cup and handle. And again, anybody who follows me knows that uh, William O'Neill, I'm a William O'Neill acolyte. I think it's one of the most important books to read, How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. The cup and handle chart pattern is one of his favorite, and it's been one of my favorites for 30 plus years. You put those two charts together, you got a powerful a powerful stock, and, and there you go. The market gets wrecked in, 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 uh, in, in August, and the stock is going up, okay? So to wrap up the first segment, what do we have here? Risk on, but manage that risk. It's not an all-out buy signal. I'm not running and putting all my money into work. I'm being very methodical, focusing on dividend pairs. Now let's get to cannabis, our favorite story. There's a chart of MJ. You know, I could have showed you a chart of a whole bunch of different stocks, obviously, in the cannabis space. A lot of them look like this. I just chose MJ because it's the ETF of the cannabis stocks. So it gives us a basic idea of what the whole group is doing. And I marked it up for you so we could see where we are, right? Bottom, bottom of the chart, Constellation puts $4 billion into Canopy. That was last August, the market you know, these stocks rocket higher. Then these stocks collapse, and it was just a stock market sell-off in the fourth quarter of last year. So you could say that really had nothing to do with the cannabis companies or the cannabis business. It was just a market implosion, right? The market dropped 25% from high to low. So they're going to wreck, you know, any type of new business like cannabis companies. Then we recovered. Okay, now we've gone through a cannabis self-inflicted sell-off. So do I expect the recovery off of this low to be as ripping and roaring as it was in January? Do you expect that? Obviously, the answer is no. Okay? The January rally in cannabis had to do with stock market collapse and then a Fed change of pace. The whole market exploded, and uh, cannabis was a favorite sector. Now we've gone through a series of major problems for the Canadian developers, not the least of which is CanTrust. I told you that was going to be a major problem for the space, and it has been. So the long and the short of it is I can't wait to buy these stocks. I've always wanted to buy these stocks in front of the December release in Canada of um, vaping and all other types of products, you know, um, um, edibles. What we witnessed in the summer is the ramping up of costs to create enough supply to meet the market in Canada when we get all these other products in the market. So the earnings were disastrous for all these companies. We've already talked about this. It's expected. We should see earnings start to excite the street probably in January, February of next year. So there's no rush yet from a fundamental standpoint. What I'd like to see is a bottom set up in these stocks. I don't really believe these stocks are going to rip to new highs after the sell-off they've uh, um, suffered based on fundamentals and the can trust blow up. So I've got my list of favorite names, okay? Um, I'm looking to add to them. When we got down to those prices, let's look at it again right here. 
Okay, when you get down to those lows, when you drop below that green line, which is the Constellation investment line, you are in um, waters where there should be fish around, right? You can start dropping the line over again. You can start looking for your favorite names when you drop below that $4 billion mark where Constellation's made their investment, right? Because what's happened here is the market is – it's seemingly saying that Constellation's wrong, that the $4 billion's wrong, that the whole world's coming to an end, and that's never really the case in the stock market. It's generally just overreactions. And so somewhere around that $4 billion mark should be the hard deck, if you will. You might dip below it from time to time, but that's really where you want to start doing your um, planting, right? You start dropping your seeds, all right? To use a marijuana metaphor, right? Let's start putting some positions on in a small amount of your favorite names when you're below that line. It's okay to do that. It's got nothing to do with algorithms. It has nothing to do with um, um, prognostications of what I think is going to happen tomorrow. I'm just saying from a valuation standpoint, some of the best names – that got destroyed with the group should begin to stabilize. I like the action off of the lows in the last couple of days. I'd love to see a double test, a double bottom, okay, or some kind of consolidation down here where I get more comfortable that the unrelenting selling is over. I didn't put the Telray chart uh, up for you guys, but take a look at Telray. It's completely unwound. That short cover and explosion when it first came public, it's come all the way back down to that original price, IPO, cup and handle, and then that whole explosion has been unwound. So now's the time to start looking for the right bottoms in your favorite names. Okay? Be cautious. It's not a time to plunge in and buy everything. It's time to be very um, you know, to high-grade the portfolio, find your favorite names, and to begin nibbling. All right, let's move on. Um, I've had people ask me before I move on, what are my favorite names in the cannabis space? I'm still working on that. Things are constantly changing. When I begin to put money to work in this space aggressively, I will send out an armor report alert to all my subscribers. Go to our website, rosenthalcapital.com, subscribe to the free armor report. And when I'm putting capital to work in the cannabis space, I'll send you an email letting you know, yes, today's the day I'm doing it in earnest. I might be sprinkling today, but that's not worth an email. And I'll tell you here are my top you know, couple of names that I'm investing in. Now, not the whole list, right? If you want the whole list, obviously we need to work together. You open up an account on Interactive Brokers, I'll share with you everything I'm doing, right? And so what's in my portfolio can be in yours. That's a whole different approach. Give us a call if you want to do that. But at the very least, sign up for the Armor Report, free algo alerts, free cannabis alerts, and I'll let you know when I'm putting capital to work and what my top couple of names are. Okay? So now let's move on to precious metals. Now, look. For those of you who are precious metals enthusiasts, you're probably the ones that are still left on this call right now. <laughs> okay? I appreciate it. 
I'm going to walk you through. Um, I'm going to try to boil down and condense. For those of you who are not precious metals enthusiasts and are still with me, I really appreciate it. And I think it's, it's um, important that you try to start grasping what gold and silver are telling you about the world economy and the markets. Because they're definitely telling you something. And I'm going to share with you what I believe to be the number one reason why the metals are going up. And you're going to find that it's a very sustainable reason. It's a reason that fundamentally changes the investing prospects for gold and silver stocks and for the metals themselves and for other commodities for that matter. So let's delve in. First of all, for those of you who may be new, let's take a look at gold. Okay. GLD is the ETF we're looking at. It's a weekly chart. You can see that we've dramatically broken out of a weekly downtrend and a huge base. That's not a small breakout. That's not a maybe breakout. That's not a wiggle. That's a major change afoot. If you feel you've missed it because the, these stocks have rocketed so fast in the last two months, you haven't missed anything. If this move is real, it's going to last for years, and you'll get opportunities to purchase these assets on or around their 50-day moving average on the way up. Okay? There's silver. Silver just got started. But that's an important confirmation. Those of you who understand the precious metal space know this. Those of you who are new, let me share this with you. Gold can bounce around, but when it starts to really move, silver usually outperforms by a factor of two to one. So if you see gold going up and silver languishing, it usually means gold's not really going anywhere. It's just flip-flopping. When the two begin to go together... And then when silver starts to percent on a percentage basis, run twice as fast, then you know you got a fish on the line. Something's happening that's different. It's a major breakout there in silver. And it's just started, guys. It's not even – I mean it's just beginning. This is how I know we're at the beginning. A lot of people think it's already over. A lot of people are telling you, oh, it's just a couple months. going to go back down. Excellent. That's the kind of talk we want. Okay. And here's the precious metal stocks, GDX, just the ETF of the big cap precious metals miners, of course, showing the same type of chart pattern on a weekly basis, major breakout. You see these lines, these downtrending lines, these are Fibonacci extension lines on the downtrend. The theory here is when you break the third downtrend, you've changed trend. And you can see that's happened clearly in uh, um, GDX. It's happened clearly in GLD. It's happened clearly in SLV. Three downtrend lines have changed. Okay? So we have something really happening here. All right. So now I'm going to walk you through the biggest reason why this is happening. In my opinion, okay, I've been following precious metals for a long time. Just to give you some history real quick. Uh, as a hedge fund manager back in 2007, 2008, we had big exposure to precious metals, and it's why we made money in the worst bear market in history. Okay? 
So I understand this space, and I've followed it for a long time. Let me explain to you how the – okay. It's, there's so much to talk about. It's hard to condense it. I'm going to try to do it briefly with one particular reason these things are going up. Here we go. I'm going to start by reminding you again that there's over $15 trillion of negative yielding rates around the world. Now, that has affected precious metals, and it will continue to affect it. Let me explain. After gold exploded higher in 1980, what we started to see was um, bullion banks borrowing precious metals, leasing them. I'm just going to give you some ballpark numbers. They would lease the metal. Let's talk gold right now. They'd lease gold at a 2% rate, sell it. So they're buying it and selling it. They're paying 2% to borrow it. They would take the money and buy T-bills that were yielding 6%, and they would have a net 4% return. It's beautiful. You would do that all day long as a bullion bank. Okay? That was the 1980s. Gold was in a long-term downtrend because it just made sense to borrow gold from the central banks, pay a 2% lease fee, turn around and sell it, put the money in treasury bills at 6%, Pick up the difference. Long-term downtrend the metal. Then what started happening was bullion banks, there was a lease rate for metals. Bullion banks would lease metal to hedge funds or whomever, right, who would turn around and sell the metal under the open market, put it in an asset, collect a yield. And in order for the bullion banks to make that kind of money off leasing, they would collect gold, put it in the bullion bank, if you're an individual investor, into an unallocated account. And instead, you would just get a piece of paper that says you have X amount of gold in your account. But it was unallocated. And they would turn around, lease it out, sell it, put it in a treasury bill or something else. And what we're finding now, and you all could do research on this, you'll see JP Morgan's being sued and all these other things, is that over time, these bullion banks have sold more metal than they actually ever had. Naked selling. Who would ever know? It's unallocated accounts. I'm not going to debate this with you. You guys do the research on your own. I'm telling you what's been happening for a long time. I'm not telling you something new. I'm not telling you something people don't know. People have known this for a while. I'm just sharing with you what's been happening. William Banks lease out metal that they really don't even have. Hedge funds would turn around and sell the metal, put the funds somewhere else, collect the spread. So you had constant pressure on the metal. Okay. The metal responded in 2007, 2008, because it was a store of value. The rest of the financial world was imploding. But then by 2011, 
all of this action came back in a massive way. And for a while there, people even thought GLD didn't have the metal behind it. Okay. So we have an unlimited amount. We don't know how much metal has been sold versus the unallocated accounts. Some people say 10 to 20 times the amount of metal paper has been sold versus the metal that's supposed to be there. We don't know the number. Suffice it to say, it's a major liability on bullion bank balance sheets. Okay. What happens to this story when you get negative interest rates? All of a sudden, it becomes impossible to make a spread, a risk-free spread. It becomes more and more difficult. And lease rates right now on the metal, take my word for this. You can do your own research. I'm going to share it with you. Lease rates on gold are effectively zero. So now it's not even worth the central bank lending it because they don't pick up or the bullion bank lending it. They don't pick up anything for the lease. Lease rates are effectively zero on gold. Have I lost you? I hope I haven't. Let me wrap up. There's no incentive to lease gold now. So lease rates are effectively zero. So all of a sudden, liquidity has dried up dramatically. It's become very hard to keep the price down, the paper price down. That's one. Number two, central banks are trying to create inflation. So the last thing they want at this point is a falling gold and silver price. They want to see commodity prices go up. They want to be able to say, here's inflation. We're meeting our mandate. They can't get there. So they're stuck in the Japan-style implosion of prices. And instead of inflation, we get deflation. And so you get negative interest rates and more negative interest and more negative interest rates. Now the effective lease rate on gold is zero. So there's no incentive to sell it. And so liquidity's dried up. But you got a lot of guys short the asset. Or you have bullion banks who are short the asset. Who knows? Some people say a hundred times. Like a hundred to one. I, I don't know what the number is. No one I don't think will ever figure it out. Let's just say it's 10 or 20 to 1. There's a massive short position on and not enough liquidity. These are structural changes in the precious metal space. That's why those charts look so good. It's not short-term in nature. It's not because Trump and China are in a trade war. It's because we have negative interest rates. And we finally reached a tipping point. And that's what the price is showing you. So all the things I've just provided for you, this information, it's out there in the ether. You can find it yourself. You can do research yourself. I'm not making something up on my own or coming up with some crazy insight. I'm just sharing with you facts that are unfolding that have been unfolding for the last X amount of years. But the price action of silver and gold and the stocks 
are showing you that we've gotten to a tipping point. And the move from here can be considerably higher. I'm looking to accumulate these assets on weakness. I'd like to buy closer to the 50-day moving average. Okay? But my eye's always on this space. It tells us we're at a tipping point. It kind of goes together with our discussion about 15-plus trillion in negative interest rates, banks lending at a negative interest rate to consumers. All of this leads to a market in precious metals where the fundamentals have changed so drastically and we have huge unallocated accounts and short positions. And we have central banks that want to see inflation. They want commodity prices to go up. That could be big for these stocks. So let's be patient. Let's don't get carried away. You know, I don't like to buy into strength. I like to buy weakness. Okay. But have it on your radar. Have it on your mind that something is structurally changing in the world today. And it goes and dovetails right with our decisions to be adding to companies that pay fat dividends. These are the assets that are working. Precious metals, dividend payers. Meanwhile, over the last 20 months, you just get wild volatility in the S&P and it goes nowhere. All right, guys, look, I appreciate your time with me today. If you've enjoyed this, if you found it helpful, please give it a thumbs up. That helps me out with the, of course, the YouTube algorithms. Subscribe to the Armor Report. It's free. When I have something worth saying, I'm going to send it out to you guys first. And certainly comment. Let me know what you're thinking about this discussion. I'll be more than happy to try to pick up some of your questions and discuss them and answer them on subsequent uh, videos. Take care, guys. Have a good day of trading. Be safe out there and have a great weekend.